Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. And we are live. Hey guys, this is Ruben from Dub's podcast, Connection Loop. Today I have Julian Sada with me, and we're going to get into a topic that not a lot of people are talking about right now, definitely in, in the corporate world, which is spiritual mindfulness. So behind you, I see, uh, is, it, is it a statue of Buddha and katana swords? I don't know, that sounds like a great <laughs> yin and yang here, a great great yes, starting off yes, point. that's funny you see that. You know, not a lot of people <laughs> ask about that, but a lot of people assume, a lot of people assume I'm Buddhist, <laughs> a lot of people yeah. assume I'm violent, you know, but yeah. so. Yeah, I, I assumed you. I assumed you just went to Pier One Imports, <laughs> or whatever, whatever's left of it. <laughs> right, right. No, that's true. It's gone, right? So yeah, everything's online now. Everything's Amazon, if you will. Yeah. So uh, please start with a, a little bio of yourself. Love to learn more, and then let's get into this. Well, with bios, usually I get really overextended on that so I'll try to make it short but okay. ba basically bottom line I grew up in Los Angeles so you know so college wasn't my focus it was entertainment industry so I was heavily involved in entertainment I've been a uh, talent agent worked with Jennifer Lopez before she was J-Lo my cousin's a rapper I was working with him Tone Loke I don't know if anyone's old enough to remember who he was in the 80s with Wild Thing I became a talent agent worked with Tracy Spencer and all these other well-known celebrities then I really got disenchanted with that and got into uh, kickboxing instructing because I used to be a kickboxer. So ended up building my own empire of kickboxing programs throughout California. Ended up training celebrities, getting back in the entertainment industry, worked with a lot of celebrities. Um, and then uh, I got out of that industry after getting married because I was going to a theological church that basically said that my world was not conducive to marriage. So I got in this life insurance, which it was the worst thing to do when you come from the egocentric place of entertainment and being a fitness trainer and then going into life insurance trying to talk about if you die buy my product i lost all my friends i was distraught i was i was lost i, I was wearing dress shoes and, and suits after you know making over six figures you know teaching kickboxing on movie sets and stuff so i was depressed suicidal um, I was suicidal. I, I tried to commit suicide. Oh, I didn't try. I almost did. And then something spiritual happened. And um, I met Jim Rohn. A lot of people don't know who he is. Not the newscaster from sports, but the guy who was a business philosopher. He was kind of like a Zig Ziglar. Um, just got me really involved in the mind science and pointed me an NLP practitioner, pointed me in behavioral science, and really started talking to me about things that no one I never heard of before and, and introduced me to people that I never thought I would meet lived in Sedona, Arizona, who were amazing wordsmiths, but mind, mindful people that focused on things that I'd never heard of. And when I combined that with my theological training, I ended up seeing a difference in the way I thought, and I ended up focusing on NLP and behavioral science, and just continued studying that as I've been in corporate America ever since. So that's my life in a nutshell. That was amazing. Um, yes, I have heard of Tone Loke, <laughs> and I recently—I'll <laughs> I'll start with the easiest one. And I and I recently saw him in a Jim Carrey film, and yeah. I was reminded that he was in that in uh -huh. Ace Ventura, which I think mm -hmm. he did a really good job in. And he yeah. also has one of my as a drummer, he has one of my favorite fills in a song. Okay. So it's, a, it's a great one. Um, I'm hearing that song all day in my head now, thanks to you. <laughs> yeah. 
but on a, on a more serious note, you know, I really appreciate the journey, the spiritual journey that you speak of, of going from a place of the aesthetic to a place of the, the mindful, you know, and the inner connected to the outward. And I think that's a magnificent process. And I think there's a, there's a, there's a world where all of these things, all of these things exist, whether it's, yeah. you know, entertainment or expression or art or the movie industry and also meditation and mindfulness. So I, I, it's, it's, so, it's so nice to hear that evolution that you went through and that where you landed now, because that's, that's frankly what created you to be who you are right now. So exactly. kudos to you for that, for that process. And, and what, would you, what would you say you know, your, your biggest, your catalyst point was? You know, what was that aha moment? You mentioned a couple of spiritual awakenings. I'd like to understand what those, what those were for you. Well, you know, yeah, the spiritual awakening is really powerful for me is when, you know, when you're at your rock bottom, it's when your ego is separated from yourself. It's like getting rid of your ego is the key to really understanding what you need. And when you're when you're always focusing on what you want for your own purposes and own desires, you kind of lose sight of really the spiritual side of life. And I think what happened was I just got so broken where I felt so lost that I didn't have anywhere to turn, but only internal. I mean, you know, it wasn't about my car. It wasn't about who liked me. It was like, I'm lost. I have nowhere to turn. I don't have the answer. And once you realize you don't have the answer, that's when you get the answer. And I think, and that's what, you know, that's where it ties into corporate too, because as leaders, we tend to always want to act like we have the answer or we know. And I almost equate that to an ant. You know, if you look from afar, you look down on a bunch of ants and this one ant that crawls up on a, on a piece of a grassy, a tall grass and looks around and says, oh, now I know what life is because I can see everybody from afar, but you're just an ant. You really don't know. You think you know, but not knowing and being humble enough to know that I really don't have the answers is the first place to really be open to learning. I think ego makes us feel like we have to know the answers and we really don't. And even though we know stuff now, we really don't know because Newtonian physics was everything for us. And now we have quantum physics, which says, no, Newtonian physics doesn't really exist. It's the quantum physics is now the new physics. And that's really what life is now. We realize we are nothing. We're just energy. And even science has proven that. And spirituality has said that for millennia, that we're just energy. We're just waves of energy that create a, a vibration. And that vibration creates a persona. And people pick that up, just like music, the tone, the beep, beep, boom, boom. That makes you feel something. Well, so do I. Me interacting with you makes you feel something because I have a vibration. And so science is proving that, but every religion has talked about it since the beginning of time, that we are nothing but spirit or energy. So that's what I think. That's what, well, that was my turning point, and I kind of added a little to that. Sorry. Yeah, I, well, I think that one of the most magnificent places to start from is, mm -hmm. is, is, is the Socratic thing of all that I know is that I know nothing. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Because for Socrates to say that and to have that level of humility with all the things that he knew yeah. in the time that he knew them, uh, you know, says a lot. And I just I think it really speaks to the idea that, you know, we are an open mind and we are an open vessel for information mm -hmm. and for for what you speak of, which is which is energy. Mm -hmm. And that ultimately, at the end of the day, that is that is what we're portraying. We are portraying, you know, energy. And I think what a lot of us have done in the business world now have we've tried to find a way to capture what our energy is, what our authentic self is, and to put it out there so that we can have a livelihood, maybe even thrive, but at the same time, 
still have a spiritual connectedness, which I think is one of the it's one of the hardest things to understand. It's one of the hardest things to communicate because we're just not quite there yet. You know, fast forward a hundred years, human civilization, we're we're gonna have very different conversations about mental energies and spiritual mm -hmm. connectedness. So this is just this is like the renaissance. It's like the beginning of this of this topic. So you're truly at the forefront. You know, and I was saying this ever since I got into corporate and I started looking at this, and here's what you just said. Socratic way of thinking, Socrates and every Greek philosopher, you can name them, I can go down a list. There's a book called The Hidden Masters that gives you the biography of every Greek philosopher and master. All of them studied Egypt and Mesopotamia knowledge. They went and traveled and then came back and really described the exact same thing in their own words. So it's like, you know, we tend as humans, we, we actually put an image to everything. We have to tag everything. So if I say uh, spirit or energy, people think I'm a new age. If I say Holy Spirit, you think I'm a Christian. But we're talking the same thing. It's like agua, water. And we separate that and we say, well, you're a Christian. You're a spiritualist. But we're talking the same exact thing. And so to your point, we also do the same thing with work. We think my work life is different than my spiritual life on Sunday. But you're there in both places. So it's no separation. You're it's 100 percent both at the same time. And so that's what people kind of, that's what you said. We have this cognitive dissonance of, confu of confusion, but it's really because we're trying to, we've gotten a consistency of separating and, and splicing things when it's really one thing. And I think that's one of the things that's going to happen in the next 10 years. You're, you're already seeing it now. You can type in motivational speaking right now on YouTube and you're going to get TD Jakes and um, Joel Osteen and all these people who are Christian teachers are now part of the motivational movement, which really you would have never seen that 10 years ago. Mm. And what was that book that you mentioned? I want to make sure I, I grab it. It's called Hidden Masters. Uh, um, I, don't, I don't know the author, but I can send it to you. I don't know the author offhand, but it's a great book, a sure biography on every um, Greek philosopher and what they studied and their philosophy behind why they said what they said. Amazing. Very cool. Mm -hmm. And and how is it that you uh, kind of apply all of this into your business and your practice right now? What, what is your flow? What is your process? Well, you know, people always, whenever you say science is proven, people lean into that. So I use a lot of science. People aren't threatened by science. And so I use a lot of science. I really have really hone in on neuroscience and um, behavioral science. And so I tie into like the neurons and basically the way the chemicals run in our body. So I talk about the concept of stress and what that does and what, what kind of cortisol is populated through the body. And then I tie in the fact that your imagination does not know the difference between real or fake. Just like you'd watch a scary movie and your heart will start palpitating because your subconscious is going to pick up what it feels and it's going to say that's real because it's always there to protect you. So I tie in science and how stress could be as little as I'm late for work to listening to the news or, you know, it can cause stress and it can create cortisol to populate in your body and what that does to you. So I tie in the physical science to the spiritual world. So how do you tap into your subconscious is really understanding what you're actually habitually doing on a daily basis for yourself. We are naturally negative by nature. We tend to look for the negative, but that's human nature to protect ourselves. But if you start walking yourself backwards, you realize the threats that I've seen as threats aren't threats. They're just experiences. And so I change wording and that's NLP in me. I change the wording around where this isn't a problem. This is just an experience. And so, I can look at it from a third person. So I teach you how to relieve some of that, that emotion. And so you can bring down the cortisol and think more rationally. And I teach people how the brain works uh, when they're leading people. Like for example, a leader will go and talk to their employee 
and say things like, you have to get this done. I need you to get this done today. Well, every employee sees their leader, no matter who it is, as a parent or a teacher, because our first interaction with people of authority are parents and teachers. We never lose our childhood. Since, as old as we get, we'll always have our childhood in front of us. So because of that, there is a, a threat to that. There is a stress. And then there's an ego that hits with that. And then there's tension. And then that's when you start disliking your job. So how do you say things from a leader perspective that doesn't make you feel like you're threatening them? And as an individual, how do you see your authority that you're you're being led by, not as a teacher? So I teach people how to change their own psyche so they live their life a little more fuller and not just reactive. Mm-hmm. And you've you've written about this. You've authored you've authored yeah. about this. Yeah. What was yes. what was that what was that process like? Tell us tell us about your last book. Well, the book is, that was a, they're talking about going through childhood. That pulled out was something I totally forgot about from a psychology. You know, we say that our bodies, our, our brain hides us from emotional stress and dangers. And there was a point in my life where my, my father pulled a shotgun on me when I would ditch school and literally was going to kill, said he was going to kill me with a shotgun. And that was another one of those moments where I put a gun to my head and I wanted to kill myself, but something happened that stopped it. And it, it was really one of the turning points in my life that changed me from my original first name. And I made the name up Julian and I've been living by that name ever since. But I talk about the psychology of how that actually reinvented me and helped me become a different person. And so, uh, and so I talk about the science of that, how the brain doesn't know the difference between real and fake. And so when I imagine what I wanted to be, I started emulating behaviors that dictated that. And so most of us live in behaviors of what ifs and what will go wrong. But if you live in a behavior of what I want because I deserve and I'm worthy of it, then your whole life changes. And that's what I talk about in that book. Wow, that's 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 a process. That's very interesting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Hey, Margo. Uh, Thank you, Margo. <laughs> that's it's deep, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So what I what I really want to understand is, you know, when you speak of this idea of you know, humans start with negativity. I understand what you mean by that. That comes down to survival. Right. That we are constantly trying to protect ourselves from imminent threats, right? And that stems from humans in our earliest forms 10,000 plus years ago. And my, my question for you is, is pretty simple, is why haven't we and how do we evolve out of that mindset? Because the last time I checked, I don't have imminent threats that are... <laughs> around me. <laughs> yeah. How do we well, advance ourselves? Because quite well, frankly, we, I'm a little tired of living and watching people around me live in, in a, I'm not, I have nothing, I have no problems with fear. Mm-hmm. I think fear is a real thing that exists and we need to understand it and know it. But at the same time, many of us are living in a, in a, in a very finite survival based, you know, scarcity mindset. And I think that that, in my opinion, that's one of it's one of our it's one of our biggest sort of holdbacks from yeah. spreading our wings and being successful and being happy. Well, I'm going to say so, this is probably one of the most strangest things I'm going to say, but here's a problem with our society now, and it's not a problem per se; it's just an evolution. If you think about it, there's 700,000 podcasts right now. There's over 700,000, 3.5 billion people that are watching Facebook, and YouTube is the number one venue that people watch over TV now. So if you compare that to the past, we had three major channels we watched in the past. Now we have everyone, including me, can get on, on, on a YouTube channel 
and say, if you were to apply this one, two, three steps, you will have everything I have back here. Let's pretend this is not a, a katana in a, in a plant, but I have a boat back here. Let's pretend it's a green screen and I say, this is my boat. That's happening on a continual basis. Literally 3.5 billion people see if I subconsciously do this one, two, three, I will be successful. So what happens is people see that and then they go about their life and they feel like their life gets mundane, it's repetitive, it's not, there's no luster, they come back to home from work or they're at home every day working and living in the same room and they're feeling like something's wrong and they see an average Joe happy and successful. So what happens is that feeling of comparison and I'm not worthy or something's wrong with me is no different than a gun put to my head because there's a threat of I'm not gonna make it. It's still the same threat. And so that creates what we call cognitive dissonance in our brain where we feel like we're not able to get where we wanna be because everyone else is there and I'm not, which is still a threat. It's like if you're running in from something and everybody's ahead of you, you're stressed that you're not catching up. That's still a threat. So we're all feeling like we're in comparison mode and we're not worthy to be where everyone else is going. And I just can't figure out how to get there. I don't have the energy, I don't have the time. And it's creating that depression. This is why depression has increased by 400% in our country. So your question was, how do you get past it? You have to be aware of how your subconscious behaves to the things that's in front of it. It has nothing to do with your, your conscious. It's how your subconscious behaves in with the things it sees and feels. And then you have to walk yourself backwards third person. Like literally, is that true? Is it me? Am I am worthy? And you got to go back to why you might not feel worthy, which I had to do. I had to go back to all my little childhood idiosyncrasies and realize these are triggers of survival. These aren't triggers of me. And every cell in my body is renewed and different. So it's not me, it's the past. It's like an old movie, it doesn't affect me anymore. I have memory of it. I call it a scar versus a wound. If it's a scar, I can show you the scar, but I'm not bleeding out anymore, that's okay. But if it's still a wound and I'm bleeding out every time I talk about it, I get angry, then you know there's something you need to work on. So yes, it's really a self-evident thing. It's not some class you can take. It's a deep study on how it works for you. Just like meditation, there is no one way to do it. You you can cross your legs, it might not work. You might not be that flexible, sit in a chair. You know, There's different ways of doing it. And I think people need to realize there is no one way for everyone. Everyone has their own path and you just gotta find yours. And, and it doesn't happen like a two hour movie. It takes a lifetime. You know, Most sages, <laughs> which is ironic, throughout history, 10 years minimum of study before they said a word about what they learned. Now you can have a guy who can take a class in three days They come out and they're trying to teach and create their own program. So you really have to know it's really about substance and taking time to just do it for yourself and not because you're trying to get something from it. I talk fast. I don't want to talk too much. There. No, you're good, man. I, I, my question then is you mentioned connecting to our subconscious. You know, I think what you're referring to is self-realization, knowing thyself, understanding mm -hmm. our childhood trauma to our goals to our aspirations to the things that are holding us back to our friends and our enemies much of which which lives within us you're talking about self-love what is it that we can do to actually connect with our subconscious how do we start that process if we're if we've never even thought about living in that realm what's mm -hmm. a kickoff point and what's a process for me I'm a, it's the sound of great reading it's, it takes a you have to read you have to read things outside of your realm you, you got to stop doing the things that you've done habitually like if you watch tv every night change it up you know start reading a book I literally break away from the noise i have this thing called no so 24. so every week for 24 hours i don't watch any news and i don't listen to any music that has words i don't listen to any tv literally just get silent in my own head so i can start hearing my own thoughts 
then you got to start journaling. Journaling is really very important. It's actually more power in actually using a pen and paper because the, the brain to actually write creates a certain neuron in the brain that actually infuses it as memory in the brain versus typing. So using old school writing is really important. And reading a book and then applying the things you read versus going to another book right away. Take time to invest in the book you read. And I say the books you read are very important too. Don't read, you know, novels about love and, you know, sci-fi, but really read books that have something to do with internal reflection. If you're focused on spirituality, then lean into what you're interested in. Focus on science. I mean, I love psychology, so I, I love Robert Greene. Um, I love Joe Dispenza because he's in neuroscience and he's also more into the moves as well. He's leans in both worlds. Uh, find a, a person you love to read about, a read, and then find that book and apply it. Those are the, the first things because you'll see yourself starting to change through those applications. You'll actually lose friends. You'll find yourself not interested in the same people, even the same TV shows. I mean, I was just telling my wife, she was laughing at me because I, I was giving away all these DVDs were moving and I'm giving away all these DVDs, movies I used to hold dear to. She's like, I said, I can't even watch them anymore. I have no interest because they don't entertain me like they used to. Because as you grow, the things you found dear start looking at, you see it as just stuff. It's nothing you need. So it's really just trying to get more in tune with yourself. And, I, and I'm guessing uh, Bloodsport was in that stack. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, bless for yes. Uh, I, uh, uh, um, I have some really funny movies, too. There's <laughs> movies I was in when I was a kid in L.A., um, and I won't even go there, but, yeah, I'm getting rid of all those. <laughs> oh, uh, g- give me the top three movies that you're getting rid of, man. I'm just curious. Uh, no, no. One of, I'm not getting rid of Fast and Furious. And <laughs> my whole, I have a whole thing of that. I mean, those are hilarious movies to me. But I was telling my wife, I love movies like that because of the familia. I mean, for me, my tribe was I never had a family. I was, I was on my own at 15 years old, living in the streets. And I lived, I, I stole from hotels. I would go walk through the lobby, not the lobby, but the hallways, you know, the cleaning ladies had their little cart. I would take their shampoos and towels and that's how I, and I worked at a gym. So I would go there five in the morning, shower and shine and work out. But I lived in my car, which is a Fiat X19 until I was 16. For almost nine months, I lived in a car and got my first apartment at 16. And I've been a moan ever since. And so I've been, a, so for me, after my father pulled the gun, that's what prompted that. And but, so me, tribal, having a lack of family was always been this weakness in me. So I've always admired family, like people that are so close that you'll never break that tie. And so I have this thing where I say your struggles become your strength. And that's where I met Raquel. I created a tribe. I have an inner circle meeting every Tuesday morning at 630 where we meet. I have people from all over the world and we're so close because we don't record it. We don't. Everybody's free to talk about anything. It's not scripted. We don't know what we're going to talk about. But I tie in science and psychology and everybody ties in something. But tribal struggle for me as a child was my biggest thing. And so that becomes my biggest desire. And so I've used that to create a, 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 my own tribe. And so so I said, that's my biggest movie I won't let go of. I have all the Fast and Furious only because of his love for family. And so I just always appreciate that. I can't tell. I can't believe I just told that. Out loud. <laughs> <laughs> so. no, I, I, hey, listen, the, the legacy, the legacy there is truly based on perseverance and it's based on tribe and family. And I think that these are some of the most important things that we can have right now. You know, yeah. they, they used to say that blood is thicker than water. I have no idea what that means. You know, <laughs> my, that means nothing but, to me know, anymore. Scientifically, it is blood is thicker than water. They found that the heart, the heart has 400,000 neurons, neuron-like um, uh, cells that are act like a neuron. They literally are brain-like cells that in literally your heart is 5,000 times stronger in electromagnetic energy than your brain. So what you feel, people pick up. And like I said, throughout history, 
every religion talks about this, and that's where blood is the energy source because blood it does carry electromagnetic energy that is so much more powerful through the heart than it is through the brain. So thinking here is one thing, but the emotions carry your desires and also carries out your your behaviors. And so that's what's important about understanding how to tap into your subconscious because that's where your heart really lies. Your, your true motives lie in your subconscious, mm. basically. You know, it's amazing that when we can truly understand, you know, chemicals and energy, it's such an amazing starting point to understanding ourselves, you know, yeah. And, yeah. and and from that, we can truly understand how it all connects to something much larger, which is something that I like to talk about a lot, which is which is this inner interconnectedness that we all have. Yes. You know, this unified theory that, that I, I'm a massive, massive proponent of and. You know, I, I try not to get too new agey about it because I think, you know, sometimes it kind of throws people off. But at its core, at its core, we are at the end of the day, what we're doing is we're sharing energy. We're sharing our light. We're sharing our stories with other people. And we're connecting. You know, so you just said really funny. Someone... really funny. You say people get weird with new age. But here's the thing. If you go see a comedian, you will pay dollars, top dollars to go see a really funny comedian. Because they tell stories and yes. they give energy and they use body language. That is picked up and you pick it up and guess what happens? You start imagining things and then you start laughing. And they can say things that you and I can't say in public in a straight face. But they can say it in a comic way with certain body language and tones and story. And we can embrace it and accept it. And that's power. And that's that's magic. And that's woo-woo. That's new age. And it's, it's really we live it every day. We just act like we don't because we put a new word to it. We call it something else, but it's the same thing. Like agua water. We, we, we say the same thing. We just filter it through a different lens so we, so we can ex- accept it. But once we realize we're not, it's no different than we realize everything is woo-woo, everything's spirituality. No matter what, we're all just vibrational energy that looks solid, that really isn't. Real quick, a really good movie to look at is one called, um, it was from the 80s called What the Bleep Do We Know? It's a really old movie. But it was one of the first to really tap into this in the 80s when this started getting really big, um, getting into the corporate world. And it really was the precursor to corporate buying into mind science, emotional intelligence and all those kind of things. What the bleep do we know? Yeah, what the bleep do we know? New versions called Heal, I think it is on Netflix. But it really is talks about the mind and how the mind really... In the heart, what you feel really affects the cellular structure of your body and your blood, your your chemical reaction, and all that creates is cellular growth or deconstruction or restriction, and that is where illness starts. And illness starts with inflammation and stress. Well, stress and inflammation go hand in hand. So it really is a part of our society now, and doctors are starting to pick it up. And doctors are really struggling with it because it really goes against everything they've ever learned. But they're seeing it really is tying into mental and spiritual and physical health all tied into one. Love that. Uh, Final question for you is what is stress and how do we overcome it? Great question. And it's really a simple answer. Anything that goes against comfort is stress. Now stress is not wrong. Stress is how you view it. So Put it this way. Anything that you deem as something that's discomfortable is probably best to put it this way. Um, adrenaline and cortisol do the exact same thing to the body. If I'm about to get on a roller coaster and I'm stressed about it, that's okay. That's a fun stress. It's But I know that I'm coming out of it. It's when stress lingers is the problem. When you say, I always, this always happens to me, or I can never get this out of my, or this is, 
these people drive me crazy. And it's like, your life is a continuum and not looking at it as a moment and not looking at it. The stress is part of life. It's like, um, we tend to think, and I think we've been conditioned to think that it should be easy. This is why methods can take a pill and you'll feel better in, you know, 10 minutes. That's modern life, but stress is part of life. You're going to have a headache one day. You're going to have a bad day. You're going to have a good day. So getting over it is realizing it's temporal. It, you survived everything else in your, in your life. It's just a matter of how you look at it and not think that you're not supposed to have stress. If you live life knowing that one day I'm going to meet, I'm going to meet this girl on a date her, and we're going to have some major blowouts, but I'll always be committed no matter what versus how dare this person do that to me. That is understanding that stress comes with joy. It's part of the life. And so understanding there is no life without stress. Even the richest and the happiest people we see on TV and everything have stress. I, I was a coach. I still do life coaching. I coach a guy who's very well known. I have not disclosures agreements, but who is a celebrity. And he's stressed because he has to sing the same song 180 times a year. It's no different than a person driving to work every day. Right. The same type of stress. I got to do the same thing over and over and it's stress. But how he sees it is, you know, feel it, embrace it and then acknowledge what it is to realize it will change and nothing lasts forever and never and stop saying it's always happens to me or, you know, that kind of thing, being negative all the time. So that's how you deal with it. But it, 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 you really have to look at it for what it is and how, what we deem as stress is really not stress. It's really a lot of it's just discomfort and unpleasantness that we don't want. And that's really changing that concept is the best way to do it. I, I really connect to that. You know, I, I see I see stress as the in, in, interpretation to conflict. You know, there is conflict around us, which is inevitable. That's life. In fact, what we talked about early in this conversation is that it helps shape us who, who we are as people. Mm-hmm. But um, but the interpretation to that conflict, I think, is is where all the beauty and where all the discomfort lies. You know, so so interpretation is key. Totally, totally key. And our interpretation is like we're not supposed to have any stress. That's why. This health industry has the biggest sales ever is because we think if I, you know, and it really is enough. You can take a walk and you're exercising. You don't have to, buy, you know, go to the gym. You, we feel like I have to go to the gym and exercise. You can exercise outside, do some push-ups. You're done. You're doing exercises. We, you can do your own yard. You know, I have a little pamphlet I wrote, do your own damn yard, you know, lawn. It's because get out and do your own yard. Don't hire somebody. Do it yourself. It's part of relieving stress is exerting energy, you know, getting that BDF to, F to populate your brain. Getting that exertion is going to help with the cortisol and bring it down and also create dopamine. So that's the key to getting over stress. Amazing, man. Where, where can we learn more about you? Uh, you're, I know you're big on LinkedIn, so definitely recommend that connection. Um, yeah, LinkedIn, F period, Julian Sato, because my first name is Fred, but I never use it, but I use it there. Um, and then you go to where my, my site is called Pivot, the number two, where it changed. So it's pivot2change.com, which is from a boxing term pivoting to get a different result. So it's pivot to change or juliansado.com, S-A-D-O is the best way to find me. Amazing, amazing, man. Thank you so much for your time. This was truly incredible. I, I really appreciate it. Well, hey, I, I woke up at four this morning. Well, oh, I'm, on your, I'm on the show today. So I was really excited about it as well. So thank you. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for letting me be here. So nothing but great things about you. Thanks for your, your message and what you're doing for everyone out there. Thanks so much, man. Stick around. I want to keep talking. All right, sounds good.